Yes, I think that that is truly the the one message that every single person on the planet needs to hear is that they it begins inside themselves and they want to be free and they want to be happy and they want to be peaceful and they want to be joyful that that's all inside. Welcome back to Sacred Creators, where we expand our infinite potential. I'm Sarah, if you're new here, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking about joy, how to have more joy in your life, how to identify joy. We're also going to be talking about the impact of fear and why it's important to release fear from our lives. We're also going to be talking about mothers and how our connection or disconnection to mother has an impact on our lives and has an impact on the collective. We're learning from the lovely Laura May today. Laura May is a life and business coach, motivational speaker, and creator of the Power of the Joy Journal. As a motherless daughter, Laura May also specializes in support for daughters that have lost their moms. Laura is the most energetic, enthusiastic, boundless, excitable person that I have met. She is so inspiring, so empowering and impactful um, in, in everything that she says and the essence of who she is. And I'm super happy to have her on the podcast today. So here she is. Okay, let's talk about joy then. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about joy. I like joy. Yes, me too. (laughs) Tell me about Joy Journal. Okay, well, I have one here. I can hold up and show you what it looks like. So it's called Power of the Joy Journal because it's a play on words uh, in the sense that it's, uh, we're talking about our power, our inner power. And and joy is uh, a frequency, a vibration. So... I don't know if you've ever heard of David R. Hawkins, but for 20 years, David R. Hawkins, he was a psychiatrist and he did 20 years of research around vibration. You hear about people talking about good vibes. Well, there's Mm -hmm. such thing as good vibes and there's such thing as bad vibes. People talk about it in that way, but it actually isn't good or bad. It's density. So Mm -hmm. there are heavy frequency energies and there are light frequency energies, like lighter in comparison to denser or heavier. And so David R. Hawkins, with the process of kinesiology, muscle testing, he tested over 20 years of research on human emotion, human consciousness and human emotion. And so he called his one of his books Power So note power of the joy journal, power versus force. And he talked about lower frequency vibrations being more force. It took more force to be at a lower frequency vibration, like anger, jealousy, resentment, shame, guilt, shame and guilt are at the very bottom of what he calls the map of consciousness. So it's a scale from zero to a thousand where the low frequency vibrations are shame, guilt, anger, resentment. It's like your body's doing this, right? You're yeah. like, contorting itself. Yeah. And as you move up the frequency scale, your shoulders go back, your heart opens, they're lighter frequencies, then you're in your empowerment. So yeah. power of the joy 
is the frequency of joy. So the joy journal pulls from the inside out the rememory, the reminder, the rememory, because we already know all this. This is not something new to any one of us. We yeah. all know it. We're just remembering it. The joy journal pulls you up and out. It helps you to express your internal joy. Joy is not in things. It's inside of us. Mm. So it just looks like a cute little blue book with, you know, it says joy journal on it. Yo, yay, cutie, cute. But there's so much more going on with this process. Right. It's based on the idea that we can raise our own frequency from uh, shame, guilt, anger, resentment, and raise ourselves up to a higher frequency of the level of joy. So in the map of consciousness, David R. Hawkins said that shame and guilt were down at 30, 20 very low frequency. Joy is at 540. Right. Okay. So this journal is based on the premise that we have a say over our own experience. And then there are three parts to the joy journal. There's goal setting. And in the goal setting process, we also explore what our purpose on the planet is, what we envision for our lives. And our goals. And then we have our gratitude and the power of appreciation and gratitude. And that humility is, is an opening to what we really want in life. And then our personal affirmations. So how are you talking to yourself? Yes. What are you important. saying to yourself? Mm-hmm. So goals, gratitude, personal affirmations, the three parts of the joy journal. And when I teach it in workshop format, I have more of an opportunity to really unfold it and deep dive into each Mm -hmm. part and how that affects us in our everyday life. So it's not just a book that you, you know, you pick up a journal, yay, woohoo. No, there's so much more going on. And so this book has a general explanation in it. So at the beginning, it talks a little bit about me as a person. It talks a little bit about some basic things we need to know about how to raise our vibration and then it unfolds it in the three parts and it when you purchase it it comes with stickers that are customized with personal affirmations that remind us um of how amazing we are so because we are actually are amazing and if we've received anything that has messaged that's different from how amazing you are then it's a lie there are lies in there somewhere and you know you're being lied to when you don't feel good. Yeah. Because our natural state is feeling good. So Yeah. I I resonate with that because when you said that we all in the beginning you said we all have it, we all have the joy, we all have this in us. There's nothing new to learn. And you could say, Well, how how could that be? It's just like, well, the way that things make you feel. You know when you know how it feels when you don't feel good, when you feel guilt, when you feel shame. You don't feel good. So how would you go about setting uh, a goal if you if we have uh, a mentality that is more dense and you've arrived in this place? How would you go about setting a goal in the first place? Well, I mean, the first step is to know that you have choice around those feelings. And uh, part of the workshop that when we run the workshop, we talk about Viktor Frankl 
And Viktor Frankl was a Viennese psychiatrist in the war years. He was in the Second World War in the concentration camps. And he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And in that book, he talks about that every situation comes with choice mm-hmm. and that there's a space between everything. And so when we're talking about moving from a place of being in a negative vibration, we first start with the awareness of that. So it's always awareness. I am aware of the fact that I feel a heaviness inside of me. It's that self-awareness, bringing yourself back into yourself, as it were, checking the body. So doing like a body scan, where do you feel that heaviness in your body? And then the acknowledgement that with the knowing that it's there, that are you willing to? So asking yourself, am I willing to release the story that goes with or comes along with this trapped emotion? Mm. And if I'm willing to release it, then slowly the body will release it. All the Mm. body's doing is giving you, it's like an indicator light on your vehicle. Mm. The body is giving you an indicator that something's going on in the body because you're not meant to be in dis-ease. You're not meant to be uh, dysregulated. Mm -hmm. You're not meant to be in a negative vibration. Negative vibration, think of it this way. Negative vibration is destructive. Positive vibration is procreative. So procreation brings forth new life. Destruction destroys life. So obviously you don't want to stay in a negative vibration, even if it feels good because you're used to it doesn't mean that it's good for you. And so folks have choice. Not everybody's going to want to move from a place of negative vibration. Joe Dispenza talks Mm -hmm. about it all the time. 70% of the planet is addicted to victim mentality. It's choice. Mm -hmm. But if you've decided once and for all, that you would like to have a say over your life, that you would like to move past that. I want to move on. Then you're on your way. Mm. You're on your way because you've said, I don't know what Mm. I, I, I don't know what I need to do. I just know I need to do something and I'm willing, I'm open to learning more and to expand my awareness. That's all that it takes, but it's a big one because a lot of folks are trapped in the cycle of, well, I want to bring my whole family along with me, or I want to spend, bring all my friends with me on my journey of healing. And most folks don't choose healing. Yeah. They, they look outside victim mentality says somebody needs to come along and save me from my life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say I would like to empower myself to actually figure out a way to save myself. Yes, exactly. So yeah. it's, this is not this work is not a walk in the park it's doing the work and it's all the kinds of work it's dismantling all places across the globe that has kept you separate Mm. from other people it's a big job but it's it's worth it because when you come out the other side you realize you're not separate from anyone that you are everyone and everyone is you And it's one big, awesome, incredible family that you are celebrating every day and you're never alone again. (laughs) That's what you get when you do this work. So it's choice. It's not easy. 
So to go back to your question, how do you set a goal from a negative vibration? First step is to recognize that there is a negative vibration happening. Okay. Hello. Hello, negative vibration. I see you. Yeah. I see you hanging out in my belly or I see you hanging out in my heart Mm -hmm. or I see you negative energy hanging out in my head. Mm -hmm. Huh? Hello. What's going on? What it like? What's up? What's going yeah. on? What are you doing? Talk Why to are you it. here? Have a conversation. Yeah. yeah, and then you start having a relation. You're not pushing it aside and casting it away and sending it, you know, out. You bring it in, call it in, and say, "Oh, hello, I see you. What's going on? Why are you there? Yeah. What's happening?" And then you create a relationship with it, and then you can start to move it. Right. And having somebody to walk beside you during this, is really important. So finding someone who knows how to work with you and work with energy and work with releasing all those things. Good idea. Mm-hmm. And then to set your goal is once you allow yourself to want again, allow yourself to take the lid off of wanting. Like we're we arrive on the planet and you and I know, Sarah, because we studied we studied together with our business coach work with Bob Proctor and friends. Yes. And, the whole idea that we arrive on the planet and we're celebrating, like we're excited to be here. We're like, yay, yeah. hi, hello. Yeah. I'm here. All cute and bold. Yeah. Yes. And then <laughs> you get to a certain age and they start to put a lid on your excitement. Like, oh, shush, you're being too loud or you're not being yeah. polite or, you know, tone policing or, you know, shush, turn your head frontwards, you know, you're not Be allowed quiet. to do that. Can't do yeah, that. we're going to tell you how to draw a tree. You don't know yeah. how to draw a tree. Yeah. We're going to tell you how to draw a tree. And, you know, we're 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 corralled in and told this is who you are. And mm. so you you it's like a lid. There's your excited, wanting, expressive, I have goals, I have dreams, I have all these wonderful things in my life. And somebody just comes along and puts a lid on it. It's just says yeah. Stop that. Stop that. Yeah. Stop that. And before you know it, you're censoring yourself before you even express. And so what we do with our goal setting is that we first take our lid off of wanting. We say, okay, let's say you didn't have any rules or let's say you, you know, had an opportunity to remember those dreams you had when you were little, what were they? And then you, start allowing yourself to dream and and love life again. And you open up, that's the first step. And then you start to see patterns and what those goals might look like. Mm -hmm. You narrow it down and, and then you get really clear. I mean, there's so many different parts to goal setting, as you know, through the Bob Proctor work Mm -hmm. that goals have three, there are three different types of goals. And we go through that as well in the joy journal. And setting a big goal is different from setting a smart goal. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 It's so interesting. The first thing that you said was um, uh, the dialogue, watching the dialogue that you have within yourself and how relevant it is to culture today, especially with the the cancel culture and so on. And like, you can't say this. This is what I want to fight everyone. So imagine that you're having this conversation in your head and you're being aggressive with it and you're being aggressive with yourself and the fight is continuing and that's why the fight is outside still so they when they say you know the war is within the reason why things are happening in the world is because they're happening within us 
And when we start to be like, hey, what's happening? I'm here for you. What's up? Speak to me. What's going on? Why do you feel this in your heart? What happened back then? Imagine if you spoke to someone like that day to day and had compassion for them, how that would make people feel, how it makes you feel, how you can develop from it and what it could do to someone else on that physical level, how incredible it is. And I've noticed it with myself, the gentler I have become with myself, the gentler I am with other people who have different ideas to me or do things differently to me. It's more of a curiosity rather than attack. And and this is where the work comes in because we will start to see it outside. And the second thing um, that was interesting with the, so you're saying that in order to, if you're in a negative place already or anyone setting a goal, to start with your imagination, to start by dreaming. And the best thing about dreaming is that it's, you don't have any goals and you can dream as you can dream to be a cartoon. You can dream to be in space. You can dream to go underground. Like it's incredible when you really lift the lid off. And even when I'm saying it now, it's just like, I feel like I'm, I could dream more. Like (laughs) I could dream so much more. Um, And when you're given that level of freedom, you do feel like a child or, or beyond a child, like you're not uh, bound by 3D rules. You can you can do anything, be anything. You can make it up, you know. And as an adult, having to experience this is so important, and we should be doing it every day, just as a practice, and see what comes up. It just massages our uh, our horizons even more. Um, so I really like that aspect of 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 dreaming first before we do anything we have to dream that's how everything starts and we're born with the capability we don't have to we don't have to download an app to do it we don't yeah. have to we have ask to learn it. permission <laughs> we don't have to wait for someone to say okay now it's time what we had when we arrived is what we need to go back and remember that's mm-hmm. it you start yeah. there and everything starts to fall into place yeah and no one can take it away from you that's so they true. can try to suppress it, but but the more you know how powerful you are, the less and you could be suppressed from the inside out. And that's what Victor Veronkel was also talking about is even though he was experiencing such atrocities, he was not he was not condoning the atrocities, okay with it by any means, but he had the choice on how it affected his perception of the world as a whole he was was not willing to decide that because of what he was seeing certain humans doing that that was the way the world was going to be or is he had choice around whether or not he was going to he was going to see the beauty in the world anyway even though some humans had lost their way Mm. so it's uh you can't take a person's joy away from them if they understand that it comes from within them. He didn't enjoy himself, but he didn't allow anybody to steal his joy either. Yeah. Because I guess everything then is neutral because some things that give you joy won't necessarily spark the emotion of joy within me. Exactly. Yeah. Everything and everything can be joyful just depending on your connection to it 
or yes. how 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 willingly you're allowing yourself to be connected to joy. I I read a story about um, some monks, or I watched a, a documentary, and they were uh, waking up to prayer. And um, I think it was the documentary, the camera guy that was waking up with them and he heard them laughing in the kitchen, like hilariously laughing. Mm-hmm. And so when he got to the kitchen, he was just, he was like, what's so funny? And they were laughing at the way the bubbles were bubbling, they were boiling <laughs> some milk, like anything could be funny, you know, <laughs> like, wow, isn't that incredible? They were just laughing at the way the bubbles were bubbling <laughs> in a pan of milk. You can find joy in anything. Yes. And I guess the more relaxed and the more you get into dreaming and softening yeah, you're you're able to the joy is just coming over you. I guess. <laughs> exactly. That's, yeah, that's where we want to be. And watch children, right? They just like yeah. it's funny. I remember my brother and me when we were kids, we would just lie upside down to one another. And I do it with you know, I do it with people sometimes too. It's hilarious just watching somebody upside down, watching the mouth. The mouth is the <laughs> nose, and the nose is the mouth. Yeah. It's hilarious. And you could just kill yourself laughing for hours just at that. (laughs) All the studies say that laughter, you want to be well, laugh. You want to, you want to, you want to be well. People talk about wellness. Oh my goodness. Enjoy. Just giggle, laugh, have a hoot. Yes. You know, there's studies about water. And we used to do these tests about rice and how you'd put negative words on a on a jar of rice and then you put positive words on a jar of rice and then you put nothing on the jar of rice. So you have three jars of rice and then this, the, the experiment is over a period of time. It's actually the Water Peace Project on Instagram. If you look it up, they've got one going right now. And so okay. the negative words, the positive words and the neutral words and based on the words that are said to the rice every day, the rice responds. So the molecular structure is affected by the words that are utilized. And yes. so there's also Dr. Emoto who did yeah. photos of water, frozen water and said nice things to the water. And if he said nice things to the water, like love, thank you, gratitude, then the molecular structure was so crystalline, beautiful. And then if he said, negative words that the the water structure was negative if you think about it your body's made up of what at least 70 percent water so yeah. if you're saying nice things to yourself your your water crystals are all doing this really cool symmetrical and beautiful ge- yeah geometrical yeah. shaping and so here in canada i'm in ontario we have a lot of snow and so my joy is that when it snows, I'm sending love to all the snowflakes. And I just think that's the coolest thing that I'm like surrounding nice. myself with all this love and joy and harmony. I'm changing the molecular structure of the snow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes you look at snow differently and water differently. For if sure. you know you, you can change the molecular structure just by your words and your thoughts and your intention there is water in the air right now you know there's very small particles the, when i'm speaking it is filling up the room it's everywhere so everywhere if, should, if we have this knowledge to apply it to basically everything it is all around us so it's in our best interest to 
to say beautiful things, to to say positive things to ourselves, to others, to be in a in a good mindset because it's affecting all that is around us. Can you tell me a little bit about um, gratitude? Because you um, mentioned a gratitude and appreciation was the next step in your joy journal. How does that tie in? So gratitude is another way of saying it. Well, it's saying thank you. Mm-hmm. And if you really think about it, it's a remembering of your connection with creator, whatever you deem creator to be. I would never want anyone to feel that they were coerced in any way ever on what that means for them. Everyone is different and how they interpret life, creator, universe, source, God, whatever they deem it to be. I do encourage folks to think about considering the fact that there is something bigger than themselves. I never coerce them, but I definitely say, ask them, you know, I look out at the trees and I say, so see those trees out there. Did did you bring them here? And I didn't, I didn't bring them here. Did you bring them here? No, I didn't bring them. Okay. So something did. And chances are it's a little bit more intricate than, than we understand. Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the premise that we start with the idea that life brings us things like life grants us things like grant grants me the opportunity to have a loving relationship, friendship with you. That's a gift that I'm receiving from life. So I'm grateful for that. And I believe that it's humility that brings us there. Mm. There's a humbleness that comes being able to say, thank you. Mm. And if you want to be healthy, get humble. Mm. Because humbleness is a way to be open. It's a way to be aware of the things that you have in your life. So I encourage, I encourage myself, of course, I practice this myself. I write my gratitude every day. I'm consistently saying thank you to everything. Because I, I understand that, that when, I, when I say thank you, I'm creating relationship. And, and you can have a relationship with all things, all beings, everything in our in our indigenous culture in indigenous culture there is no such thing as a thing so wow yeah everything's alive so you can have a relationship with all beings everything's a being tree beings bird beings grass beings so it's an it's a it's an expansion to honor and acknowledge that you didn't make it all happen and here it is in your life. Mm-hmm. The simplest, simplest things right down to a hot cup of tea on a cold day. It's being grateful for the things life is bringing you mm-hmm. and, and acknowledging it and, and allowing yourself to humble yourself enough to say that you didn't make that happen, that you were a co-creator creator in the process so therefore it happened because you were a co-creator in the process, but you didn't do it all by yourself. No, yeah. And, and then the appreciation part of gratitude is that I love, I loved how this came together when the joy journal was coming together, where I realized that when you appreciate my, my definition of appreciation is that you realize the way in which you are being loved by humans, by the other humans. So the humans in your life show you their love. And so we have gratitude and appreciation. That part of the joy journal is all about 
how are you, who is and how are you being loved and how are you loving Mm. and, and that acknowledgement. So then you're writing, you're writing, you're writing the truth of that in your experience. So it's, it, the joy journal is, uh, it's like a, it's, it's like a document. It's like your life being documented by mm. all the ways in which you're receiving love in a day. Yes. So you're out. as, as, as Bob Proctor would say through his, the work, what he learned along the way was he's harvesting the good. So you're, mm. you're noticing how you're loved and who's yeah. loving you and how you are loving others. Yeah. So it's a deep process of self-awareness. And self-acknowledgement. That resonates because it's so easy to think. I know with myself sometimes that I'm not doing enough. I'm not giving enough. I'm not there for the people that I love enough. And um, I have to remind myself, like, I think about them. I made a phone call to my sister and that is a beautiful thing. And just like, hold on a second. Let me bring it back a minute because... I, I am amazing and I'm, I'm loving everybody that's in my life. And it's great that I want to express more love to them, but let's look at the places, what, what is already happening and have a look at that and see how this can propel us into a higher vibration so that we are open to receive and we're more open to give. And we realize how innately good that we are. It's very easy to think that we need to be more loving or we're not loving enough or people aren't loving to us or having this victim mentality, I guess, that no one appreciates me, nothing has happened for me, nobody loves me. And just, I guess, that's where the joy journal comes in because you're like, okay, let's have a look at, let's have a look at things and yes. take it piece by piece and yes. see where the love is at, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, th and that we all have different ways of showing our love and to to be bold enough to say, well, it has to happen the way I expected. You actually end up missing out on the love that people are giving you. Yeah. It's not everybody's going to love you the, in the language that you know. So yeah. if you love somebody, learn their language. Yeah. How do you learn love language? <laughs> have you have you heard of the book, The Five Love Languages? No, I haven't. So there's oh, a, a lovely gentleman, uh, Gary Chapman, who I believe was a marriage therapist for 20 years and realized there were patterns in the way in which love showed themselves in marriages. And so he's come up with an awesome little quiz that you can do online yes, okay. called yeah. the five love languages. And mm -hmm. there are five main languages that he found in his research. It was anecdotal, but it works. Mm -hmm. And those are gift giving, mm -hmm. physical touch, acts mm -hmm. of service, words of affirmation and quality time. Mm -hmm. And so let's say, Sarah, you and your partner uh, are wanting to speak a love language with one another and you don't understand. You're having difficulty understanding each other. You would do the quiz and you would find it. Let's say you found out that your top two languages are acts of service and quality time. And your partners are gift giving and words of affirmation. Well, chances are your partner's going to drop little notes and gifts to you. But you never see them because they're 
they're busy doing other things. Mm. It's not quality time with you isn't as important. Mm. It's not on the top of their list, but a person who's quality time and they're receiving gifts, but they never get any time with that person. Then they're speaking two very different languages and it can get very complicated very quickly. So in my workshops, I found that the, the feedback I received from, from folks that have, have attended the workshops and have done this work is they realized that their partner was loving them the whole time. Mm -hmm. So one example of that is uh, they're a gift giver and their partner is an acts of service. And so the complaint was that they never gave them any gifts, never even remembered their birthday, but they were constantly asking them if they needed gas for their car or oil in their tank, or could they mow the lawn or make dinner? And the gift giver doesn't want their lawn cut. They just want them to buy them Valentine's gifts. I want a gift, yeah. So when they realized that every time the oil got changed and the car got washed and the grass got cut, that that was their gift, then it was, they, they, you know, very upset to realize that they had taken advantage, not understanding. And I said, well, if you... You were someone who who spoke French and the other person spoke English and you didn't know each other's language, but you loved each other. You learn a little bit enough of the language mm. to know how to say I love you. Yeah. And so figure out what your language is and what their language is and and do the work. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's very it's quite relationship changing, actually. And it's. It's really important to do it also about your parents because a lot of kids complain, you know, adult kids, they complain about their, but my dad was never there or my mom wasn't there for me. And then if they do the love languages and they ask themselves, what do you think your parents' love languages were? They, they get very upset in a really wonderful way. They say, oh, they were loving me the whole time. You know, they were working overseas or they were, you know, they were sending gifts in the mail at that was that that was like, they were sending their heart over, but you didn't know that because you didn't speak that same language. Yeah. So yeah, it's just one way. I mean, every way that we find is just one. It's like what, what's um, out of the Eckhart Tolle book, a new earth. It's the finger pointing to the moon is not the moon. Mm. They're yeah. indicators. They're not mm-hmm. the truth. It's something's yes. pointing to the truth. So yes. the more tools you can have in your toolbox uh, of different ways to know yourself, the better. Mm-hmm. Because they'll work for a while and then you'll need something new. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I guess like the work that you're doing is important because it gets you to whether you do a love language test or not, it gets you to identify the different ways that, that love comes in. So you'll yes. always be appreciative of the different embodiments of love and always be recognizing of that. And that will actually strengthen your relationships. You'll have longer lasting relationships because you will um, less likely to feel unloved because you can see love in, in more moments than, than ever before. Yes, we're all... Yeah. We're all just walking each other home. So it's an opening. Yeah. It's allowing yourself to be loved. That's the first step. Once you are, allow yourself to be loved, you'll, uh, you'll see where the love is. Yeah. 
but you really have to start with loving yourself. And this is really about getting to know you and what you need first. Absolutely. Maybe like, you know, get really, Mm -hmm. this is the one consistent human you will always have with you. Mm -hmm. Till the day Mm -hmm. you croak, you've got yourself. So figure it out with yourself (laughs) is, is my, it's my humor, but it's, you have to deal with yourself all day long. So it has to start here. You can't expect anyone else to do it for you, to be it for you. Well, I mean, there's only one person you sleep with the rest of yeah. your life. Yeah. Aren't you going to date them at least? <laughs> well, people say, oh, I'm going, I have to, I have to bring my friend with me to the movies. And, and, and I challenge that. I say, oh, okay. Why? Well, because I can't watch the movie by myself. And I, and I say, but you are watching the movie by yourself. Well, no, no, my friend's right there beside me. Yeah, but they're not watching it with you. They're parallel playing with you. They're sitting in the same room at the same time, but they're not yeah. seeing what you're seeing. You, you, when you go to sleep and you're, you got your wonderful partner beside you going to sleep at night. You say goodnight to your partner, then your you own. go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, You're on your own going to sleep. Yes, yeah. your partner's right there. But you're on your own going to sleep. But people don't think about that. They need to think about that. Because you come in by yourself. You know, you arrive on the planet by yourself in your own little space capsule. And then the humans are there. And when you leave, you by yourself. So what are you doing the rest of the time? Hello. When you say that um, we just have ourselves, you're going to the movies on your own and everyone is on their own. So how is it that everyone can be on their, on their own? We must all be having this collaborative thing within, but it looks like we're all being separate outside. So one of the analogies that I've learned along the way, because that's something that comes up very a lot, because it's almost, it's like this, it's like this uh, contradiction, right? It's like an oxymoron, which by the way, I love that word, yeah. oxymoron. Like what a Oxy. great word. Yeah. <laughs> oxymoron. Yeah, <laughs> but so i like to think of it i think it's marianne williamson that talks about it this way as well but it's like think about the body like the earth body like a body so you have the earth has all the humans on it the body has all the cells in it so we have about 100 trillion cells in our body each cell has its own little brain like they're they're so cool i don't know if you talk to yourselves but i talk to mine all the time every little cell in my body is healthy every little cell in my body is well i love my cells they're awesome they work so hard they never take a break (laughs) they don't they don't ever stop they're constantly working we go to sleep and they're like oh awesome so here they are, these cute little cells running around, working so hard with the little brain inside, the mitochondria and all the fun stuff, right? And they're their own little entity. And then they're the heart cells. Or maybe, maybe your job is to be a liver cell or a blood cell or a, or a follicle, you know, a hair follicle cell. But they're all separate 
with different jobs in the body, mm. but they're all part of the, the same body. And that's what people, if we think of it that way, then yes, we're separate because we have our own, like a heart cell isn't going to run over the liver cell and like hang out there. Yeah. Right. right? I want to do that. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. they don't have a lot to talk about, you know, like the liver cells doing its thing and the, the heart cells do they you know they might say hey how's the heart well yeah you know how's the liver okay okay see ya because they got to get yeah. back to work they're busy yeah, they're communicating they don't have the same role so they might never yeah. ever run into each other just like people right. that live in austria maybe never will run into somebody who lives in london but that doesn't mean they're not mm. connected and so yes. is the heart cell gonna run over to the liver cell and blow it to smithereens <laughs> no, no why because then we all die right. it's that right. flip and simple that's how easy it is to look at this and that's why it's ridiculous for us to be running around oh you're oh you live on that side of the liver oh well, you're not as good as that side of the liver oh you drive a truck for a living oh you're not as good as the you know really really yeah. So it's myopic. Yes. It's so 1980s. Like, really? Like, get over <laughs> yourselves and realize that everything we do connects the bigger picture. Yes. And the more we remember that and, you know, have some fun with it. Think of different analogies. How would you explain it to a child? No, the cactus does not hang out with the pine tree. But there's nothing wrong with the cactus and there's nothing wrong with the pine tree. And we need each other because yeah. they're both sending oxygen to the earth. They're both sending, yes. you know, all the nutrients and everything to the soil. We are all sending nutrients to the soil. We are all sending the good stuff to the atmosphere. So we are sacred. We need to be celebrating one another. And when we mm. fall in madly in love with ourselves and our own little, like I have the Laura May role. Okay. That's my little puzzle piece. I'm not supposed to be Sarah. I'm supposed to revere mm. Sarah. I celebrate mm. Sarah. I do my best to pull Sarah out and celebrate her. If she, you know, if mm. she's interested in that and vice versa, I'm not supposed to be, fighting Sarah uh, because Sarah and I are one yes yeah. it's beautiful it is possible people have all these reasons the victim mentality says it's not possible well I would like to I would like to surpass that victim energy and say that there is a quantum field and that we can choose a new way and that's mm. the work that I do ultimately is for that purpose is for us to be living the truth of who we really are, which is powerful, creative beings that, yes. that are meant to be working together. It's called unity consciousness. Awesome. And when we remember that we're all yes. one family, it sure yes. feels good, I tell you, to remember that. Yeah. So, And there's so many, like you said, there's so many examples of how that is being shown to us on a day-to-day -day basis, like especially within nature. And we have a lot of science to kind of prove how our bodies operate. So we have even more reasons to look at that and, and see what is working for us. And that without even doing anything, just breathing and just by being yourself, you are, you are, you're contributing to it just by being you and by you being someone else or by you 
criticizing someone else because they're not like you. It's really, it's not the point because you're supposed to be you. I'm supposed to be me within this whole thing. That's why it works. Exactly. (laughs) And it would be so incredibly boring if we were all the same. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel good. That's why we, we, we push against it because we don't identify with it. And the reason why people do is because of fear. There's people in different parts of the world, I guess all cultures have different ways of being, but there, uh, where it is a thing to be uniform, it's, it's better when we're the same because no one is standing out. And that makes people feel safe because of fear, not because of a celebration of who you are, but the, you, the way people have been made to feel by difference. So it works better for the collective for you to all be the same. I need to fear difference, but we're not to fear difference. We're, we're to welcome difference. Tell me a bit about um, motherless daughters and how how that came along. Well, okay. So, so first of all, I mean, uh, being a clinical social worker, I've been a clinical social worker for I think this year. It's like I graduated in two thousand, so quite a few years now. And, uh, but I've been a motherless daughter since I was 14. So obviously I know a little bit about it just personally. And then adding the clinical understanding with the lens of being a motherless daughter, uh, it made a lot of sense as I was moving into the coaching and especially in the last year or so, I was really getting clear on, on how my business was moving to a place where I was going to be walking beside people in a customized way. So customized support for motivated uh, and dedicated folks that really want to, to express themselves on this planet, bring forth their purpose, vision, and goals, and really be here. Um, when I was figuring that out, I realized, you know, I, I am a specialist in working with women who have lost moms and it, women who have lost moms are different than, uh, than clients that are just looking for a generalized coaching. I'm both, I can do general coaching, but a, a woman who is in business, who is looking for a coach and she has lost her mom. She has special needs in the sense that, uh, she, uh, experiences the grief and loss 24 seven in a subconscious way. And it can be incredibly beneficial to have someone as your coach when you're looking for coach. So I, you know, really it's for a woman who is looking for a coach already mm. that may, that is a motherless daughter that may not understand that that's actually what she's looking for. And I didn't know that when I was working with my coaches, I have a number of coaches. I didn't realize how important that aspect is and that that was a missing piece for myself. So as a motherless daughter working with coaches, they just didn't understand me. Uh, I would have days come up that, um, that were harder than others that as a motherless daughter, it, it's a sacred experience to have, a coach just minimize that or not really understand it. Also mm-hmm. that being a mother's daughter, sometimes that can get in the way of you allowing yourself to really be your full self, because there's a fear factor that can come with not having mom on the planet with you anymore, or she's mm-hmm. on the planet, but you feel 
she, for whatever reason, you, you, she still feels lost to you because she's not emotionally or physically available. So it doesn't just have to be that a mom has, has actually died, but that she's just not available to you. And so that can be complicated as well, because a parent that is on the planet, but not available can feel like a, a chronic loss without the allowance of grieving the death. So there are lots layered and it's complicated. The bottom line is that if you're a woman and you're in business and you want to do really, really well, and you've also lost your mom, it's extremely beneficial to have someone walk beside you that not only understands that part of, of the, you know, the experience of being on the planet, but then also has those skills as a business coach as well. So that's why, why I like, to consider myself a specialist in that way is that I have all of it. Mm. I can offer all of it. I've done my own yes. work. I do my own work every day and I will always do my work. There's no such thing as stopping studying in this work. When you're a personal development person, you don't ever stop. It's just part of who you are. It might morph and change yes. as to what it might look like, but ultimately you continue to be uh, a person who practices what they teach and, and then to have that specialized understanding that we can, motherless daughters can sabotage themselves in ways that they don't even know they're doing it. And so it, it mm. sometimes just takes someone who really can ask the questions. Doesn't mean it's the same experience for every motherless daughter, but someone yeah. who has that lens can ask the questions. They're a little bit more intricate yeah. than a person who um, has not experienced it. Because the person who's, right. who has not lost their mom does not know what it's like to lose their mom, period, and how it affects business. So so how do you think that it, it affects a woman in business, would you say? Sometimes it can make her work o- overwork. Perfectionism is a, big, is a big part of being a motherless daughter for some. I'm, not, when I'm, I'm making generalizations. But these yeah, are yeah. the themes that we see. These are the patterns we see. Sure. Perfectionism, having to be good at things having to be better than everybody else. Um, motherless daughters can be very needy. Uh, the need to have relationships to follow through. There's an abandonment piece to not having mom. Yeah. Even, you know, there are lots of, I would say, fallacies in society around uh, age and stage of grieving. Uh, so you might hear people say, oh, well, you know, that was only a year. That was a whole year ago. Like, why are you still grieving? That kind mm. of stuff. Not understanding that there's no beginning, middle or end to grief. Grief mm. shifts and changes, but it never goes away. Yeah. And so for, for, for a motherless daughter, if she's a motherless daughter at, say, she loses her mom at 40 and that was a normal time to lose your mom, mm. that doesn't, there's no such thing as a normal time or uh, the, the, you know, or that it's easier because your mom was 90 or, mm. you know, all those, fa- that's all, that's all made up. None mm everybody's loss is their own individual loss mm. with patterns that we can predict to a certain extent. Yeah. But that, that woman needs to know that it's okay for her to, to express herself and, and, and receive that support. So grief can creep up and, and, and really um, affect you in ways that you don't realize. And so uh, the, recommendation is that you hire a coach that has that specialized lens and and to help you see if the perfectionism is is part of your experience the um 
the big thing that we see in coaching, not just in motherless daughters coaching, business coaching, but regular business coaching is this, um, uh, you know, lack of self-esteem, lack of self, uh, confidence, mm-hmm. uh, staying on track, hitting the terror barrier and being, and, and, and losing momentum. And mm-hmm. so a general coach is someone that keeps you on track. And then motherless daughter complications can get in there. where it might be more intensified, that low self-confidence. The other thing about motherless daughters is that they can also feel like they've done something wrong, Mm. especially if they were young when their mom died. It's very difficult for a motherless daughter to not blame herself, even when it was had nothing to do with her at all. She must have done something wrong, almost like being punished. Mm. And so that punishment can interweave into um, the allowing yourself to have what you want. Yeah. So it's already hard enough in our society to, for women to say, I'm going to get what I want. Mm. I have, I want that and I'm going to get it. Mm. That's criticized at so many levels, let alone a woman who feels she did something wrong because her mom died when she was a kid. Mm. It's going to be that much harder for her, possibly harder for her. I'm being making generalizations for her to let herself have what she wants. Yeah. Because she's not allowed. Yes. So I help with that because <laughs> all of that is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. 100%. So I help get clear with the bull, like through the bullshit. Yes. Um, uh, so it's the generalized messaging that, that there's something wrong with us. So we're not doing it right. That, you know, that, that there's some rule book out there for all these, there's no rule book for all mm. these things. There's, there are no rules it, it, other than our own inside and, and that dismantling of the, the, um, the messaging of, of low self-esteem. It's, uh, it's worked. It's definitely a strategy that's worked to keep the human small, but yes. it's time. Yeah. It's time for us to break out, break out. And so I just decided that as a coach, I was already a coach that I would niche down and say, and... I can especially help women who are business, you know, business organization. They want to, you know, they have what they want and they want more. And I'm a great person to connect with to help them stay on track. With your understanding, it gives those women a permission slip to allow themselves to have the experience that they've been probably trying to shut away. Like it's okay because you know, you need to to have this experience. Yes, this is grief. This was your mom. This is what the the nurturing part of you is is uh, missing, or there is a reason for this. And it's not you're not like everybody else trying to fit questioning yourself why you're not fitting, why you're not doing it right. Yes. Yeah. And when someone yes. says, "Hey, you know, I get you. This is this is what happens." And we can allow space for it and you can relax. Or thinking you're alone in it. Yeah. When another person comes along and says, I know, I know. Uh, I remember being 14. My mom died when I was 14. And I remember being in the, in the high school uh, front lobby. Mm-hmm. And I was waiting for a ride. And, and I didn't have a ride or something to get home. And I, I mean, my mom died at 14. I was 14. So this was very fresh after my mom had died. And like the first semester of high school after she had died. And 
I overheard a, a girl on the, at the time it was a payphone, on the payphone yelling at her mom because uh, her mom wanted her to come home and she didn't, she wasn't ready to come home. And I just remember this sinking feeling that this is going to be my life is that every time I heard a woman, a young woman talk with her mom, I, my heart was going to sink. And I, I swear to you that has happened to me for the rest of my life. And it sounds like victim energy, but it's not that it's just a fact that you become very grateful to have had a mom and to hear someone be lack gratitude mm. that blatantly when you're hurting like that, it just stands out. It mm. just, it st absolutely stands out as you're different. Life's never going to be the same for you. So Laura May, I want to ask you after you have explained how um, motherless daughters, how you came up with the idea and how it has helped women within business and how it has affected women within their lives and within their business and it affects them. How can we be more accommodating towards um, women that have lost their mothers or, or girls that have lost their mothers? What kind of support do they need and how can how could we give that to them? Well, if you think about it, uh, your main your main form of support, if you had a relationship with your mom uh, that was supportive, your main support, I mean, just think about it, it's your primary caregiver has gone away. So if you're in a friendship rule, then uh, I think I love your question. And that's a great question to ask your friend who's lost their mom. How is it? that I can be there for you. What is it that you need? Mm. Um, this, I'm a safe space for you. And if I can't be that person for you together, we can figure out ways to bring in those supports, mm. depending on what stage she's at. I mean, if she's a mom herself and she's raising children, I mean, a big part, uh, you know, stereotypically a big part of having primary caregiver is not just to, parent you but to help you parent your own children yeah. so if she's running a business and she's also parenting kids and she's lost her mom and that person was in her life in that way she now needs support she needs yeah. either help finding that support yeah. for the children or uh or support for her so that she can support her children I mean there are a lot of questions as you go through your life and it depends on the age and stage so let's say she's, you know, she's a new mom. She would ask those questions of her mom. Mm. She's not there anymore. Mm. So depending on what role you play and not just rule, like you're only a rule, but you know, that what, who are you in that, in that woman's life? Mm -hmm. uh, you ask her and then brainstorm with her as to what's missing because mom's not, what were the things mom was doing for you before she passed? What was it? And so in my situation, not ever having, not really having a mom, I would get, I became quite needy toward the moms in my life. So I did have a spiritually surrogate mom that came along when I was 22. And that was a lovely relationship. And she, in a lot of ways, uh, was there for me in ways that I would have liked to have had my mom there for me. Mm. Um, and so she was a friend that filled the gaps in a lot of ways, was willing to fill the gaps mm. in a lot of ways. 
Um, and so I think it's asking the question and, and researching what is it that together, you know, what is it that motherless daughters need? Uh, there's, it, it's not mother, mothers that have lost, but, but, um, there's a awesome, uh, gentleman online that, uh, that does videos. Dad, how do I, I don't know if you've seen him, yeah. but, uh, he, you know, how do I fix a car or how do I, you know, sand something or do a dish or, <laughs> and so I, I've yeah. thought about, well, it's kind of the same way. Like, mom, how do I? Mom, how do I? Because sometimes it's just logistical. There's something that you would have learned by it from that parent that that's missing. So mm-hmm. um, the best way to help if it's a business relationship and 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 you're supporting them as a business coach, mm-hmm. then it's it's everything you would you would teach, and then with the lens of specialized understanding and bringing somebody in. Uh, helping them understand um, that they, it does it does add to some of their um, some of those blocks that we can get in business. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to add to their situation or possibly add to their situation. So it's right. it's just you having that sensitive lens of asking the question is the oh, first step as yeah. a business coach. Um, so there could be extreme neediness. There can also be extreme independence. Mm, I'm I'm yeah. good. I don't need any help. I'm good. <laughs> you get a lot of that too. Yeah. So um, so it's just educating yourself and then offering that education. Everything's about education in that way. I want to ask you. Uh, it's a similar question. So on the topic of like of mother, whether we like it or not, we're in a relationship with mother, and mother has given us life, and so. Um, one person's grief is is our own because we we are born from mother, so um, our relationships there is is so important. Our relationship with ourselves and the connection we have to our mother. So some people, for example, they have mothers, but they they don't have a good relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Or their moms weren't present. Do you think it has the same effect on? on our lives in that way than it would do in a sense that mom is not physically here and how important is our connection to mother well it's if i mean if she's estranged in some way then it's a it's a loss and it's it's like a uh a, a lack of connection or the learning from right so we learn mm-hmm. about ourselves yeah. through our our people, our environment, our primary caregivers are very important part of that, that, um, uh, as humans are the natural cycle of things is that mom, you come from mom and, and mom Mm -hmm. came from her mom and, and that Mm -hmm. mom came from her mom. And so in the societies of the past, everyone would live together and it would be obvious that there was an elder that oversaw the parents, that oversaw the children. And as you moved through, you had the whole community looking out for the children. If you were to lose a mom, the community would come together, the grandmothers, the sisters, the aunts, the the older children would would not be mom, but would take the uh the information of the of the of the village, of the tribe, 
and fill in the gaps for that little one or that that young that young woman. Um, so there's absolutely no reason why we can't still do that. Just because yes. uh, there's been this overarching messaging of separation, um, exclusion, uh, uh, having to have these big houses away from each other, all those things uh, doesn't mean we can't still live in community. And so ultimately uh, it's great to think that a business model is that a a business coach that's lost her mom helps other women who have lost their moms or that are estranged from their moms for whatever reason. And there are many reasons why a mom can't be in in her daughter's life. And it's not, it's not about shaming or blaming or anything. It just happens, right. For whatever reason. Um, then you fill in, you fill in with community. You, you know, as a woman in your society, you're aware of the women in your society. Mm-hmm. You're aware of the women and what they need and what, you know, and extending that, whether it's an online community or it's, you know, in your actual town, village community, there are ways to be there for one another. And a lot of the, a lot of the angst feelings that I expressed today about motherless daughters aren't just motherless daughters that feel like that. Mm. You know, uh, uh, there are a lot of people that feel lost and, and, um, and disconnected from themselves and from the, from the world. So the other part of that is that I believe that we have a lot of the answers within us and, and we also have the answers through our relationship with earth. And, and one of the, the, the healing modalities that I bring forth when I work with my clients is the idea that earth mother is always there for you, no matter what. And it's abundance. Mm. People say, Oh, I don't have anything. Well, have you been outside? Yeah. Are you here? (laughs) Yes. Have you been outside? Have you, have you just sat under a tree? I mean, the the abundance is everywhere. And so Mm. helping, so you, you know, how to help a motherless daughter, help her remember that, that she is held by the earth, that, that her, her earth, you know, the, the woman that brought her into the world may not be available to her, but there are all these other places uh, and people and, and ways to be nurtured. So, um, yeah, there are ways. And I think the first step is it comes back to the beginning of our conversation that the the first step is this acknowledgement that all the answers lie within and, and that we're important enough to be looked after. And then we start there. We might not be traditionally looked after, but we can still, we're doing that for ourselves we're, we're full. Our cup is full and now we want to share it. We want to go and pour our cups into other people's cups as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the recognition, basically the recognition of another, the recognition of yourself. And, and if you, if, if you need to be the elder of the village, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to raise a, a, a an adult too. Yeah. We never outgrow the need to feel safe psychologically and physically. So, you know, in the circle of security work, the idea of circle of security in attachment between a, a child and their caregiver is that the child goes out into the world to experience the world, to try new things, to play with their friends, 
but they're looking back to see if the if the hands are open from the caregiver, right? Mm-hmm. That they're welcome yeah, right back there. into yeah. the circle of security when their day is done or when their adventure is over it, they want to come back in to the circle of security and be held and seen. Yes. We don't outgrow that. Yeah. When we're 50, we go out into the community and we go on our adventure and we do our thing, but we're looking back to whoever it is that we chose to have in our nest, whether it's our, you know, it's our, our spouse or our dog or our child or our coworker. We're looking to see, are we safe? Yeah. Are we, do we have a community? So you create the community if you can't get it from your people, you know, your, your biological people. Um, there are ways. So if we can honestly look at ourselves first as someone who needs to always know that there's a safe space to go. And if you can't find it from the humans, it's, a you know, the nest is outside. She's always there for you. You know, the earth's always there for you. And then once you can do that for yourself and you get yourself regulated, you're feeling emotionally and physically safe. Then you offer that, you know, you, you, you celebrate that and then you offer it to others and you hold space for them. Yes. So it's, it's interesting. You were talking about it earlier around being feeling fear. Well, fear is always a small child. When, when we're scared, we're little. Yeah. But watch people watch road rage. They're screaming and yelling and carrying on with each other. It, if you were to stop and ask them, chances are they, they're scared mm. of something. Mm. Something's upsetting them. Mm. And so instead of, exacerbating the problem you diffuse the problem by saying hey i noticed you know you're you're awfully yelly today what's up what's going on what do you need what do you need how can i help yeah and you know you look after yourself first you know and extending yourself like a martyr you make sure you look after your little campsite first but when that's all tidy and your cups are full and you're like looking for somebody to like you know, share the the full cups with, but you fill yours first, like get yes. your little campsite all organized and okay, now I can go out into the world and, and, uh, and, and share, don't do it the other way around. That's, that's self-sacrifice. That's an old paradigm. That's yes. an old pattern that keeps you small too, mm. but look after yourself first and get out there. And oh my goodness, if we all did that, mm. you know? And have more compassion towards each other. I think like it's spot on what you said. Show it to yourself and then be willing and, and you're more open anyway, naturally, to to have more compassion for other people and to be more curious and want to help and want to be there because you are full in yourself. And what I love about you, and I'm so glad you utilized that word curious because when we're in fear, we're a small child, we're dysregulated. Mm. So we have a frontal lobe. We come online of the frontal lobe. When we're on the front online, we have, we have, we feel safe. Okay. We feel emotionally safe. We can be creative and we can be curious when we're scared. We're at the back of the brain. We're in the reptilian brain. Mm. We're scared. We're in fight, flight, freeze. We're running for our lives. We're scared. Mm. So you can't expect someone to be curious when they're back here in the reptilian brain. 
That's why we diffuse and we hold space and we welcome someone who's in dysregulation, whether they're 50 or they're 15 or they're five, they're dysregulated. That's another way of saying they're in the reptilian brain. They're scared. Okay. The behavior is the result of what's happening in their bodies. So we want to think of ourselves as hosts and hostesses, I guess, to bring each other back to the frontal lobe, bring each other back online. This is when you're in this part of the brain, you're online, you're, you're, you're curious again, you're creative again, you're compassionate again, you're, you're in a community again, you're, you have clarity again, you have the eight C's, Mm -hmm. right? You get scared. Now you're back here again and you're doing things that you, you, it's like you wake up from it afterwards and you say, I did what? I texted what? I said (laughs) what? Because you were doing it from this, this brain back here. Mm. It's so interesting what you point because it's not actually where your vision is. It's like behind your back almost like. It's, it's down. It's at the top of the spine, right? right. It's here. Okay. This is the reptilian brain right here at the back of the spine right here. Right. And so you want to move the energy up to the frontal lobe. Right. When you said uh, it doesn't matter if you're 50 or 15, because I think often people, we associate being older or more mature that you shouldn't be doing, saying, feeling or acting in a certain way. And it doesn't matter because we're dealing, we're only dealing with fear. We're not dealing with age and fear comes in all, all, everyone, all shapes and sizes. It's not exclusive for children. It's not like someone should know better because they're a certain age. It's just fear is fear. Fear is always a small child. So as soon as you're scared, you've, you're now your three-year-old self. You're not, you're not an adult. You regress to a, to a younger age. And that, and that's, you see, that's a, con, that's a control mechanism as well. Let's make everybody the enemy. Let's make everybody in trouble all the time. Do you see how we fear? Fear is a strategy. Fear is a control mechanism. And the more we understand what it does to ourselves, does to our body, where it is in the body. And the more we transcend it, the more we realize that it has been used to keep humans small. And this is all about breaking out and remembering our power. Our systems are not designed for us to remember our power. Our systems are designed to tell us that we are not drawing the tree correctly. Mm. Yes, There's something wrong with us because Mm. we're not fitting into what they're telling us we should be doing. Yes. And so we have to really open our eyes not just our like eyes, but our internal eyes and really start noticing where we've been told something different than what feels right within ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so this work is all about discerning who we are truly are and what we've been told we are. Right. We're breaking out. We're breaking out and it's a very exciting time to be alive. Very exciting time to be on this planet. And, and the work is before us. This is not easy work. Is it? 
Sarah. No, like we, it's definitely like not. I, I go for naps. <laughs> I pass out. Like yeah. I actually pass. <laughs> it's not easy, but it's the most fulfilling path that I've ever been on. And it's actually, it becomes easier. It becomes more exciting. So when I feel something, when I experience something, I, I enjoy, I kind of start to, um, I appreciate that this is a moment for growth and that there is some, it's the beginning and the end of something. That's how I feel now. And instead of um, feeling upset about certain situations and so on, I still feel emotionally sad or upset or, or whatever that looks like at that moment. But I understand that it's there for me to feel to grow and to explore a higher vibration afterwards and to keep learning to, to move to that all the time. Um, but like you said, it's, it's not easy, but it starts to get easier <laughs> and it starts to make you laugh more. And you start yes. to, yeah, you start yes. to take more responsibility and you start to kind of soften up a lot more. What is the message that you're here to share? Your core message, would you say? That we've forgotten who we really are and that we're, we are powerful, creative beings and sacred celebrations of life and, and that each one of us is here for a reason and we have purpose mm -hmm. and we have a mission and you might not call it that. Not everybody refers to it that way. That's how I refer to it. And then people do what they want with it. But my opinion, we've forgotten who we really are. Right. And our job is to remember right. and then take action. Right. Whatever that action means. I mean, you could be an organic farmer that works with carrots and you never see humans. Mm. That's still taking action. Mm. Doesn't mean you have to be, you know, a, 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 an influencer podcaster. It could okay. be anything. But if it is part of your work is to be an influencer podcaster, then I believe that we're meant to figure that out. And it also can change. So our, we can be a podcaster for a year and then move into something else. Yeah. I think the my role in people's lives is to push buttons. I push people's buttons. I ask questions. I ask them questions and I push buttons to help them figure out who they are. And I push buttons to help them figure out, out who they are not. Mm. So if I get you angry, good. And yeah. if I get you excited, good. Yeah. And if I get you uncomfortable, good. Yeah. Giving you because the you're stirring it up. Yeah. I don't have your, I don't have your answers for you. You have the answers. My job is to stir you up. Yeah. To, to bring it out. I, if I were to sum up the, sum up the message is that, you know, you, you know, you can have, joy and fun and happiness that 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 joy through a lifetime of chaos is is achievable i mean my i have had a re, you know i haven't had the toughest life as everybody but i've had a lot of difficulties in my life and the way in which i perceive that and do something about that is my choice yeah. everybody has a choice of what they're going to do with the cards that are dealt uh, if you want to look at it like that, that's one way of understanding it is that you arrive on the scene and there's a certain situation that you've arrived to and there are things that you go through while you're here. And it's always your choice as to how you're going to perceive them, work with them, 
you know, wield your power around them, that's a choice. Yeah, 100%. So for people to remember that they get to choose if they're going to be a victim or if they're going to, if they're going to, they're going to blow past it and shine through it. Right. But it's always a choice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the message is that you always have a choice. Yes. And it starts from inside. Right. The humans can't take the best parts away from you. They can try and they do try, but they can't, they actually can't take you out. Yeah. It's not possible. It's impossible. You are, you're a powerful creative being essence that never ends. It's like, it's like trying to find the acorn in the oak tree. Yeah. <laughs> you can't get the acorn. You can dig into the to tree and, you know, slice the tree up into tiny pieces. You're never going to find that acorn. Yeah. And that's us. We're, we're the, the creative idea. We're much bigger than we know. That's, it's so exciting. I don't know how anybody can be bored. I'm, I'm just, I wake up, I'm so excited. I'm like, oh, what are we going to learn about today? What kind of connections am I going to make today? Yes. How, how many people am I going to piss off today? Like, woo. <laughs> Let's stir this up. This is life, Laura. Let's yes. stir it up. Let's go. This Let's go. Bring it on. You want to fight? Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> but not in a, not in a mean way, in a, I want to see you scrap. I want to see you get scrappy because people are walking around and they're half alive. Yeah. I'd rather see them scrappy. Yeah. Let's go. Let, you know. I think you have taught me since knowing you that there is so much in life to be excited about and it doesn't cost anything to be excited or to recognize joy and to recognize excitement. And that's why I feel like I always feel joyful around you because you recognize what joy looks like. You've obviously done the work. You have a joy journal. And I think it's wonderful, Laura. I'm so proud of you. And I'm so happy of all the work that you're doing. Mm, Yay. Yes. Yay. Thank Um, you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Where can the audience find you um, if they want to get in touch with you? Well, the, the most direct way is to go to my website. It's no selfservices.com with a K. So K N O W. Right. So no self S E L F services, S E R V I C E S.com. So no selfservices.com. And it's actually a play on words. No self. I was studying Eckhart Tolle's book, A New Earth, Awakening to Your Life's Purpose in 2008. And I was on my way to a mindfulness meditation class at the University of Toronto in Canada. And I was, I knew I had to change the name of my business to something different than it was. And I wasn't sure what to name it. And so I was listening to the, to his, his voice and his teachings on my way And he talked about having no self Mm. and to let go of the self. Mm. And so I went, Ooh, no self, Ooh, no self. And then I thought, Ooh, no self services, because I always knew that I would expand past just counseling. I would do consulting. I would do coaching. I knew that. So I knew I needed services, something, you know, because I have a meditation CD and I have a, 
book and I plan to offer the same message in different ways. And so I thought, oh, no self. So having no self is that remembering that you aren't your form, that you are essence, that it's that you are, uh, there's no beginning, middle or end to you, right? It's just a continuous, mm. always being essence. So having no self is the form like mm. this, having no self. Mm-hmm. And then he also talked about knowing thyself. Mm. So know thyself and the, the importance of the more you get to know yourself, the less, you know, really. And so it's a never ending digging of who you are. Mm. So that's where no self-services came from. So now, you know, (laughs) that it's no selfservices.com. And uh, on the site, you can click on joy journal and you can go to my store that has my meditations and my books. And I also have a joy journal course for kids, which, uh, which outlines it's in three videos and it's really great. Kids love it. Um, and they learn about the joy journal, but for ages nine to 12 and, um, and you can email me off the site as well. So, and then all my links to Instagram and all those things are on there. So awesome on my website. Awesome. And just to touch that, it's so important to work with kids because they are the ones that are going to continue this on. And if we're going to expose them to this it has to start at a young age like it can start at any age but preferably when they're children when they're should be the most joyful in their life and how to acknowledge joy it's amazing yes so the course is uh three very clear joy journal videos that i created for the big brothers big sisters association uh, during COVID, it was like for a camp and the kids just all loved it so much. They said, Hey, we probably should make this more like they, they said, let's make it available yeah. to purchase. And so when you purchase it, I just send you a link to the three videos and it, uh, and the PDF that outlines it for kids. It's very clear yeah. and you just have to go out and get a joy journal for them to create. But I, I explain all of that on there and children really seem to enjoy it. So of course. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for you. Thank you so much for being on Sacred Creators. I love you so much. You've been awesome. I know. I love you so much. We get to mastermind together. It was so wonderful to have you. Thank you.